What's going on, everybody? This is your host, BJ Parker, and this is the Making the Turn podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the podcast. This is Making the Turn, and I'm your host, BJ Parker, and uh, taking my the taping on the road today to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Scott Sensum, Sensman. I'll get that right in a minute. <laughs> and he is the uh, head of the Department of Plant Sciences. How are you doing, sir? Good. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, great to great to be here. I've been listening and really enjoy what you're doing. Uh, I, so you've had a chance to check out a few of the podcasts. Yeah, I think I had about six of them. I've yeah. uh, or five of them I've listened to. Yeah. yeah. So what are you getting out of it? Well, uh, you know, I had a little appreciation for the the industry a little bit just because some of our guys, of course, are in our faculty or attached to it. But yeah. Uh, I, I found out the, the superintendent job might be a little bit like mine. <laughs> <laughs> head of a department, we find ourselves sandwiched in a, a little bit with between faculty and sure. the upper administration. You guys certainly are in the middle of a greens committee as well as the players, and uh, yep. nobody's really always happy on some of that stuff. And so you guys get the brunt of it. So anyway, I appreciated uh, hearing about what those guys are going through. Well, good. I, I'm glad that uh, Dr. Bronson has hooked us up, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you listening. I'm, you bet. I started this thing trying to get a lot of content to uh, an industry that I felt like was sort of underserved, and mm. it's been positive, and we've gotten a lot of good feedback. So It's one of those things, I think, for all of us in agriculture-related, horticulture-related yeah. activities. Getting the word out is what we hear about a lot, yeah. but... I've I've accused our faculty and me included of being a bunch of egomaniacs with inferiority complexes. It's <laughs> one of those deals where we uh, we don't like talking about stuff necessarily because we might not be done with it yet. Right. And uh, you know when you're talking about science, you you kind of do a, a scientific profile of something, and then all of a sudden you have five more questions after you do it. So oh. you're never done. Yeah. And that way, sometimes not everybody wants to talk about it, and it sure. really hurts us long term. So right. I, this kind of thing is really good for just talking about issues. Yeah, and and you know we we've I've I've been able to kind of keep it at a as they say a thirty thousand foot level in a lot of things, but a lot of times it gets a little technical. But I think mm-hmm. there's some people out there that gravitate towards that. And, oh yeah, and I like you know that we can offer up a little bit of insight into a little thing here or there, and yeah. and get down a technical road because. You know, as you know, within an hour or so that I'm trying to do this, mm-hmm. it's hard to cram everything in, and right. and you'll see this will go by fast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's it it has been good to kind of talk with the guys and different, you know, whether they might be a superintendent or a turf manager or mm-hmm. an equipment manager or a sales rep. It's been great. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think the a couple of them. I think your equipment guy that was on. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a brother also in the industry. Yep. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Chad, the guy that's uh, TGA, sure. you know, that aspect of what they're doing, the Tennessee Golf Association, I thought that was really interesting. Find out there's a lot of UT supporters out there. Jimbo Thomas was oh, another yeah. one I heard yeah. of and uh, have met him on a couple of different occasions through the TTA conference and, of course, Jim. Yep. So, uh, and then I think it's a good friend of yours, the other guy that was a sales guy, I think. Um, I forget. Greg? Not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are all really Really good. Really well, good. I, again, I appreciate you listening and spread the word. Cause yeah. We're, we're, I think it's uh, 
we're gaining something here. So I'll try not to pull it down today. I don't think you will. I think everybody's <laughs> going to enjoy this one. Well, before we get into a whole lot, uh, you know, I, we just met, and there may not be a whole lot of guys outside of the uh, educational world, university world that know you, but I'm sure that, that, that there's a lot that do. So for those that don't, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you're kind of doing, how, how you kind of got to UT. Sure. Uh, I'd like to say that I woke up when I was 12 years old and wanted to be a department head, but that's not how it happened. Did anybody uh, do that? No, no, but if they're smart, they don't do that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I grew up in Ohio. I'm from just a little town outside of Dayton, Ohio. And um, so Midwestern guy, grew up on a farm. Uh, mom and dad had a uh, uh, wheat, soybeans, corn kind of outfit. We had right. hogs and cattle when I first uh was growing up we got rid of some of the livestock over time but so I was an ag guy I I decided uh, to go to college and and I thought I was going to go back uh, to the farm and uh, I wanted to play basketball also so I'm kind of a a basketball junkie at least I was couldn't play at Ohio State but I could play at a little place called Wilmington College just outside of uh, in between Columbus and Cincinnati so I went there for uh, four years Toward the end of my program there, I had a chance to uh, work with a company, Monsanto, for six months, sure. which we've heard a lot about, and glyphosate's one of those things we might get to today. Oh, yeah. Um, worked with a really good guy there. I thought maybe that might be a really good thing for me to do uh, and to work with a product development specialist uh, or as a product development specialist, but I needed a couple of degrees to do that. So I uh, had my advisor from Wilmington and this guy, uh, helped me uh, get into graduate school at the University of Arkansas, and I started in a master's program there in weed biology, and then wasn't quite done with all my schooling after that. I thought I want to get in a little bit more of the chemistry end of things and get into pesticide residue. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did for my Ph.D. right there at the University of Arkansas there. And toward the end of that, I had an opportunity to interview at Texas A&M University and uh, got the job as kind of a pesticide residue chemist in really weed science, mm-hmm. mostly herbicides studying environmental fate and uh, water quality and herbicide physiology and things of that nature. So I did that for almost 19 years. And um, in 2013, I guess towards 2012, I had a chance to interview here for a department head job. Brought me back a little bit closer to uh, home. And it was about a six-hour drive from here, from Knoxville to uh, just outside of Dayton. So uh, I knew if I was going to get closer to home, probably have to take a job that would be administrative. And uh, this group here has been a, a really good group to work with. We've got yeah. about 40 faculty across the state. Uh, some of them are over in Jackson. we got some in the Nashville area. And then most everybody else is here. So I've been doing that for the last six years as yeah. a department head, trying to, to lead various activities and stay out of everybody's way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's kind of how I ended up here. It sounds like you were trying to cover all the SEC schools there. Yeah, pretty much did. <laughs> yeah, you just I got to I'm, Knoxville and slowed down. Yeah, the orange, I think, is wearing on me. I kind of like the orange right now. Yeah. Does it tear at your heartstrings to um, – are you a Vol fan or are you still a Ohio State fan? You mentioned the you know, Buckeyes. Uh, you know, everybody in my family went to Ohio State except me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm attached. Yeah. Let's just say when the there Buckeyes are on, I am attached. But uh, – no, I'm I'm good. I'm good with being a vol. Yeah, I know you're an Alabama guy, right? You must have heard that through the grapevine. <laughs> I think I heard it on one of your yeah. podcasts. I yeah. spent a lot of time with UT folks. Though. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, uh-huh. and um, 
I tell this story all the time uh, that my most people know me as BJ. Mm. They don't know what the B stands for, but it's Bryant. Oh, okay. And so I were been, named after I, somebody famous. I was <laughs> I was born in the early seventies in Birmingham with the first name Bryant. You can put wow. those together yeah, if right. you want. My mom says it's not true, and she swears by it. I'm I'm going with it. Could have been Bear. Yeah, it could have been. A lot of people called me BJ and the Bear when I was growing up too. So, but uh, so um, talk a little bit about what you got going on here at the mm-hmm. at the university. I um, I know you've got some big things coming. We've had Dr. Brosnan on an episode yeah. uh, several episodes ago. I've known him for a while. Uh, I know uh, several of the other uh, faculty, but uh, talk a little bit about what you got going on. What are you excited about? When's, what's uh, what's the future look like for you? All right. Yeah, where to begin? Uh, there's there's a lot of things that I could uh, really feel good about from our standpoint in plant sciences at the University of Tennessee. Certainly the turf program is one of those things. But uh, in our department, like I said, we have uh, nearly f- 40 faculty across the state. So we have things related to plant breeding. Uh, We've got genomics, genetics. We've got landscape design. We've got public horticulture. Uh, We've got organic produce and crop production uh, or agronomy. We've we've got those things attached. We've got what we might call horticultural science. And so that's really, I'd say, vegetable production, fruit Mm -hmm. production, things like that. Uh, Of course, weed science is part of what we do. Uh, we have uh, just a tremendous amount of programs going on with uh, a very broad range of, of activities. The sure. landscape design group I would put kind of like on one end where we're almost in the art area, right. but I would call it functional art. We, we kind of need these plants where we grow them to survive well and, and have a, a good environment to grow long term. a lot of importance to that. Yeah, and so we've even changed the name to sustainable landscape design, and that's part of what we do. And then we have really on the basic end of science kind of the genetics, genomics kind of program and a little bit of everything in between. Right. Uh, of course, nursery production is part of that as well and vegetable production, fruit production. Um, so... We have a very, I call it eclectic department. Uh, We don't have, in my view, these factions that some departments might have where they have two teams kind of competing against each other. We have a lot of smaller groups that have a pretty specific focus. And, of course, the turf program is a a group that's, I think, got a, we got a, a group here of, I would call them five faculty, and I might even include myself in that every once in a while because uh, I teach a little bit in the weed science program with the turf program. Um, these guys are really very focused and have a, a really dynamic personality, each one of them. Yeah. And uh, so what we're doing with that turf program is, I think, uh, in the next five years, going to be pretty exciting to see what happens. But uh, got a good group, very broad range of faculty across the state doing a lot of cool things. Yeah, well, that, do, does that include UT Martin? Do y'all do anything with them? Is that following? They do a little bit. That yeah. they're not necessarily. It's it's in our system. Yep. UT Martin is our as well as UT Chattanooga mm-hmm. is in our system. But we're I guess we might call us the mothership of right. uh, the the big school. And uh, so yes, we do have collaborations with sure. them, but but not necessarily on a lot of the research activities that these guys are doing. Gotcha. I asked that because I'm a graduate of UT. Okay. Martin, yeah. So when, that's where I. That's where I cut my teeth in the ag, ag business and and uh-huh. uh, so I was interested to see how if there's they play a role in what you guys do yeah and they're connected yeah. and and certainly some of our faculty that are out in Jackson which is right next sure. 
to that. Uh, they have some committees that some of those folks serve on from yeah. time to time, and they do some guest lecturing and things like that. So, yeah, there is some collaboration going on. Well, that's cool. Well, is there any specific research that you're excited about or things that you can talk about that maybe one in particular or some that uh, you've got going on right now that uh, you're excited about? Um, yeah, I think there's there's several items, I guess, we could talk about. Um, there's a couple of things that are going on and will, I guess, happen here very soon. We have a little growth pod down the road here. It's right by the UT Gardens, which uh -huh. is also part of our uh, department as well. Um, this growth pod is going to be uh, a way to look at controlled environment growth for fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. potentially. And that might be, I think, one of the ways that in the future we actually grow a lot of the maybe microgreens or lettuce and things of that sure. nature in the future. So that's ongoing right now. We had a faculty member, Dr. Carl Sams, working on uh, that sort of thing right now, and we're, we're hiring another person soon to, to be involved in that as well. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. We're not sure that's a big uh, project that's going to involve TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, as well as uh, KUB, our utilities board, Knoxville Utilities Board, and us, and even a, a, a group called Second Harvest. It's like a food bank. Sure, yeah. So it's a collaborative effort right now, as well as connected with the Ag Research Unit that we're involved with. And so uh, we're, we're excited to see what that does here in the next few weeks. Yeah. We're going to have a big kickoff here coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting. We have a Center for Agricultural Synthetic Biology that's going on, and that gets into a rabbit hole that gets pretty <laughs> deep. You know, we're talking about editing genes now, very specifically to change aspects of, of, of health uh, types of activities within foods perhaps or changing colors, changing various uh, other activities related to plant growth that yeah. might uh, be beneficial instead of uh, doing what they call the genetic modification. So um, a lot of things involved with that that are coming up. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a lot of different activities. There's just a couple of examples. Man. but. Uh, there's sounds, a lot of stuff going on. Sounds like a lot to keep up with. Yeah, I, I can't do it, but uh, uh, I've called this job an impossible job that I try to make possible a couple of hours a day, but yeah. uh, it's uh, certainly been a, a challenge, and we it's really cool to see the various activities that are going on. Yeah. I go to a lot of field days, and you, you might get a chance, of course, to go to the turf field day coming up yep. in August. Uh, when you go to one of those, as, as someone like me, it's it's really been awesome yeah. to see what our people are doing with what they've got yeah. and uh, the kinds of things they're coming up with and kind of following they have and what they do for the state of Tennessee and some of the people beyond. So it's it's been really cool to watch them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this year's field day for a couple of reasons. I haven't been back in a while, but yeah. I'm actually um, doing a recording from there uh, the podcast from there so okay great i'm sitting down with several people and then it's going to have some open mics so it'll yeah. be fun to see but i know it's a great field day and it's exciting and for the university it's a big day so yeah I'm looking forward to it and i think they'll be highlighting some really neat things that our turf guys are doing and uh and i could go on for quite a while and talk about what what the kind of things that they're doing are really going to impact uh the future on but uh, Dr. Sorokin's, I think, one of our you know big idea guys, and he's he's working on some really cool things with athletic fields and their surfaces and safety. Yeah. And you might be able to see something at the field day related to that. And that's he's got awesome. a machine out there that's got kind of cool cleats on it, and they right. look at track patterns and, and pressure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
And then, of course, Jim's working on kinds of herbicide resistance issues that are ongoing right mm -hmm. now, and that's really changing the face of what goes on, not just in turf weed science, but weed science in general. And then yeah. Dr. Horvath is working on various things related to plant pathology, and there's lots of new materials and management techniques that he's working with. And, of course, he's a, a very strong teacher yep. and uh, really innovative there in the classroom. So those three guys got it going on. Then we got Tom Samples, and I'm sure you've met Tom. <laughs> oh, sure. And uh, and he's a legend. If you get your own bobblehead, you've done something. So he's he's got his own bobblehead. <laughs> I, they I just, gave out I last just year. received mine today. I, I got a gift <laughs> to me, so I'm looking forward to opening it. And, uh, and you know, if you've yeah. met him, he's one of the most positive guys and a true ambassador yeah. to the University of Tennessee and to the, the state, yeah. really. And uh, so he's with that group, it's been phenomenal. And then we also have John Steyer, who's an associate dean for our Herbert College of Agriculture, and he also does a lot of interactive things, and it goes way back with, uh, I guess, John Sorokin at Michigan State where sure. they met each other. And so John actually worked for John Steyer there, <laughs> and so it's all intermingled. Oh, and then Brandon went to school in Michigan uh, State as well. So anyway, <laughs> a lot of connections there. Uh, that's what makes it all work out. Yeah. You know, guys, you like uh, going back to what you said, I mean, you guys uh, – or I think maybe Jim touched on it, but, I mean, you guys all get along. You all, mm -hmm. you know, have great respect for each other, understand what each other's, you know, qualities are, and you just yeah. feed off of it. And it's making the program really, you know, I, jive. I was trying to think about it then, and I could I could say that about our turf program, and I could say it about several other individuals and, and most of our faculty, honestly. There's something about the people here and, and our faculty that I usually have to, to end it with the, the word joy. When they – are out there in front of the group there's something that they bring not only the knowledge that they have but they really seem to enjoy what they're doing and yep. they they really i think promote this whole program through the joy that they bring to the job yeah and, uh, that's very palpable here yeah always has been well that's awesome yeah i want to talk a little bit i know uh this is an audio podcast and before i before i forget i want i do want to say that on august the 29th isn't the field day i think I believe that's right yeah. yeah so if you're in the area ut um up in knoxville be sure to check it out i'm going to be broadcasting from there with a lot of cool stuff so come and check it out uh the ut turf grass field day but i do uh i want to this thing back here is pretty wild and and i, I was told it's called a mind map that's yes that's what they tell me yeah but well, try to describe that i know we're not videoing this but it's uh, an audio but try to sure. tell me kind of what's going on and and uh and part of the five-year plan that's uh, okay in that. yeah i i started doing this uh back i think in about 1997 98 and i was a fairly young professor trying to figure out how to navigate all the things that that i needed to do in uh -huh. advancing my career and getting tenure and I came across a couple of things that really helped me. And uh, this mind map book from a guy named Tony Buzan was one of the things that I came across that just resonated with me. So I started making these things, uh, not necessarily on the computer like that, but for when I was uh, creating course content for my mode of action environmental fate class, graduate level class at A&M, I started doing these things for my class notes. And I found that I was really enjoying doing that and creating these pictures, basically, that had content in them that uh -huh. was important. And then I started using them for um, helping my graduate students in uh, planning out their programs. Sure. And so what I would do is I'd start with a central theme 
in the middle of the page and then kind of draw these little connectors to various objectives that they were going to have to accomplish over the course of their program. And I didn't tell them to do this, but what the cool thing was, they would take that piece of paper and paste it up in front of their desk and, and kind of watch what we had decided to do. And lo and behold, it seemed like it was helpful. And yeah. so when so they came with a question, we didn't have to start over. We could go and look at that map and say, okay, you want to change maybe a, a treatment of some sort or you want to add a rep or we got a different observation we're going to take. We don't have to start over from scratch. We can just alter this thing. Sure. And then I started using it for creating papers and, and drafting papers, which is all the stuff that we have to do. And I just kept finding really strong utility in this thing. And then, uh, you know, it, it kind of came in, I've been using it again since probably, you know, 97, 98. Well, when I got here, I had to do some things with just figuring out how do you wrap your arms around this job or how do you wrap your arms around anything that hadn't been done before. This technique's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. To describe it, you know, I've heard people call it a mine crab. Uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of looks like a just a weird web of, of connections yeah. and not necessarily organized. But if you look at it and, and kind of read through the main topics of it, there does there is some organization to it. Yeah. But what's cool about it is you can, you know, add things really quickly and without really disrupting everything. It's not like an outline form. Right. Uh, it is an outline, but just in a very visual uh you know, kind of web-like pattern. So uh, for me, it's been a great way for strategic planning of things to to start with this web or this this map and then fill in the things that we need to fill in. And then I put little boxes in there that you can fill in so that we can keep track of our progress. And in our case, we've done basically a five-year plan with the Turfgrass team. And, and what we're trying to do there is, is set a pattern for five years and see how we do. But it's a, a visual thing we can come back to and look at it to see what our progress is. And yeah. it's been very powerful in a couple other instances here where we've done that, where people start feeling good about what they've accomplished. But i got to make sure about six months or a year out from the original making of it that yeah. we revisit it. Yeah. So that's kind of what it is. Well, it looks great. I know people can't see it, but I, it, I would first describe it as it looks like a like a a jumbled up championship NCAA bracket. Yeah, it does look a little bit like that. Yeah, you're it's right. It's got a. It, I don't see a lot of lines on there, but it looks like it if you drew them. It it's looks kind like of a, a bracketology. Bracket, bracketology. Yeah. So, but um, I'm I, I've never seen anything like that. But I was intrigued. But it looks it. I probably could follow it pretty well as far as the organization looks like everything's kind of structured and it's guiding you guys towards specific objectives. It is. And so when I, when I met with our guys, we challenged ourselves to come up with, with various things that were related to course teaching, extension, research. Those are the three primary missions of our Institute of Agriculture here that, that our group connects with. Excuse me. And then we also have some general and infrastructure type things that we might want to look at. And then the other arm that we put up there was marketing and communications as well as advancement because for whatever we're going to do, we're going to need some people to help us financially at some point and and also market our programs so that people know who we are, where we are, and what we do. Yeah. So uh, those are the the main arms that we're trying to, to look at for the next five years and really bolster 
the turf program specifically, but I've also done this with our department. Yeah. Those same kind of categories, except for, I guess, at the time, marketing and communications advancement wasn't so much our, our emphasis. But but we've done similar uh, similar things with other small groups as well as the department as a whole. Sure. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, with the, the use of this, you know, information and us talking and sitting down, you know, maybe we can tell tell somebody or tell the you know the audience you know what are some of the things that you might be looking that you might need from outside sources like whether it be funding um, you know a specific job equipment you know different things what are some of the highlights of some of the things you might be looking to, to gain or find great that uh, one of the things that our group has is clearly identified and very quickly identified uh, is equipment yep. uh, I think one of the things in a turf program that people have to understand. It's kind of like a dairy operation. You have to milk the cow every day. In a, in a turf program, you got to mow the grass or treat something or maintain something every, every day. day yep. and, and our guys have been wrestling with equipment that's been at least, I don't know, 15 years old. And, the, you know, the technology has changed so much. And I think one, one of the podcasts sure. that you talked about with, uh, I guess, the equipment guy, he, he kind of related to that a little bit. And there's certain things you just have to do to maintain that stuff. Right. And we need also to get our students who are in our programs on the equipment that's contemporary equipment. And I don't think we're getting that done right now. And I think we all realize that. So one of the first things that we thought of in our, in our program was uh, that we wanted to do for the next five years, figure out how to get some contemporary equipment in our hands right. here in our guys hands so that's one of the things we're doing right now is we're we're trying to get some lease or rental type uh, activity going so that we have some of this contemporary stuff that we can just look at and say okay it's it's new it's ready to go it doesn't need a lot of maintenance yeah. uh it's it's going to be in good shape and then we can rotate it out with something else so right now we've kind of got an emergency plan where we're we're going to that and Good. getting some support both departmentally and then through ag research as well as trying to figure out how to dream a little bit and figure out well what's this really look like if we want the whole equipment suite yeah for the next 5 to 10 years what's that going to look like and so that's part of what we've put there yeah well, good. I hope uh, if somebody's listening or whatever can maybe, uh, if you haven't been in contact with anybody, which I'm sure you guys are, uh, but, you know, they, they can, you know, help you in any way possible from equipment manufacturers, distributors, or whatever. So hopefully that uh, that works out for you. Because yeah. I know there's, you know, not all this comes together without outside help in a lot of different areas. So right. hopefully, you know, that comes in waves for you. And, and that's another thing, just having having something recorded like we've recorded it hopefully we can all have a consistent message with that so yep. that we're not any one of us can go and say here's what we need right because we got it and we talked about it and we've listed it yeah and we have a record of it and yeah. and so that's going to be a consistent thing as we check things off and add new things we'll, we'll at least have a record that we can give people who want to help us yeah. to uh to check that box with us and, and support us so anyway that's that's kind of the idea behind that that's one of the bigger things we're really trying to get done well, good. 
I, I, I wish the best for the five-year plan. It looks uh, like y'all have got a great map, and I know that the success of the uh, program is uh, in good hands, and it looks like it's, the future's bright. So We're really excited, and our guys, uh, one of the other things that we're thinking about is the future positions. And, again, Dr. Samples has his own bobblehead, but and he hasn't given us a date yet, and we no. don't want it to be tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, but we know that's coming, and we also need to know what what's that next person look like and all of our other guys are full professor or just about to be. Yeah. And, and so they're, I think, going to be in a different position than when they came in here, and Dr. Samples was kind of the guy that was watching out for them. Right? Right. So um, that's going to change the dynamic, and we need to make sure what we're doing next with that new position. So that's another big, big thing we're trying to think about in yeah. the future. Yeah, well, good. You know, Dr. Samples is a staple, so yeah. – hate to see him go but you know and he's been a, a great guy for the university and I know a mentor to a lot of people absolutely one of the, and I think one of my first field days uh, BJ that I was here I was I was amazed uh, he was trying to introduce me to everybody he knew and that's not a, that's not possible <laughs> uh, he knew everybody and everybody take? knew him yeah. I mean it was really awesome yeah. to see him in action at a field day and yeah. and uh, you know him he's like oh hey Scott I want to introduce you to my good friend here and he really is. I yep. mean, he just knows everybody and and uh, responds to all those folks with with just such joy. So anyway, yeah, it, we we're going to have him for a while longer, but certainly the future is going to be a little different without uh, him being part of it. But he'll he'll be a good part of it for yeah. a good while, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the reasons why I'm glad we got to sit down and talk, and I reached out to Dr. Bronson Brosnan was. Um, I wanted to tackle a topic that is kind of hot button issue, mm-hmm. kind of in the public eye, and there's no real way to transition into it. But he he basically said that Scott's the guy for this, <laughs> and so uh, you you touched on it earlier uh, about working or spending some time with Monsanto, mm-hmm. and that's a name that's been in the news a while. And and like I said earlier before we started recording, um, you know I'm a I'm a golf course former golf course superintendent, still a Class A. So I come from that side of it, right? And from the applicator side, sort of, you know, you know, I—that's where I'm kind of my expertise is. But I want to talk to you about the glyphosate issue. I want to mm-hmm. get your sort of th- thoughts about it. And I don't really know the right questions to ask, but hopefully, in the next fifteen or twenty minutes, we'll sure. kind of talk through this, get build some content because I'm really, I really feel like that providing some the facts, some positive content, some things about this issue. And when we spread this, when this podcast goes out, we can sort of give some information out there that maybe people aren't understanding. Maybe mm-hmm. they're getting false imaging or false uh, understanding or sure. all that stuff. So, um, so just let's let's just start by talking about glyphosate. What is it? Mm-hmm. What's what's sort of the significance of why it's being talked about now? And and let, we'll just kind of guide the conversation that way because i know that you guys got some information that you've you've put together right and you like to share uh so uh just i guess just what is glyphosate what what are, why are we talking about it and and let's just go from there sure uh glyphosate has been around since the mid 70s i think the first label was 1974 i think they found the herbicidal activity in like 71 um it's called N-phosphonomethylglycine. So if anybody has ever heard of glycine, it's an amino acid. So we can get that from meats, fish, legumes. All that. It's sure. an essential amino acid. This is a derivative of that. 
They've basically added a carbon and a phosphorus to that molecule, and that's it. That's uh, that's kind of the interesting piece about it. And that's Hence why its name is that's why it's called N-phosphonomethylglycine, yep. and uh, and glyphosate was just the common name that sure. they gave to it. Okay. So it's got some really interesting characteristics, and they've been the same characteristics since it was created in that time frame uh, from an acute toxicity standpoint very safe from the standpoint of uh, selectivity when you spray it it was killing everything so that was interesting it just had a, a way to by inhibit a process plants. yeah plants <laughs> yeah it, it just had a really good way of uh, non-selective weed control so right. when you sprayed it on mm. something it would, sure. and and so it was a it's a systemic herbicide okay so you okay. put it on and it takes a little while for it to work and the reason it does that it's it's inhibiting amino acids in a process if right. you think of a, of a chain of events that occur and you block one of those chains everything underneath that spot is going to just basically be depleted and that's basically what it does it's got an aromatic amino acids, three aromatic amino acids get produced through this process. It inhibits those, and so there's kind of a starvation that occurs. Right. It's very slow, but again, we don't have that mechanism in our body, so that's another reason why it's been, a, from an acute toxicity standpoint, very safe. So we have that going for us from the standpoint of, of what it is, how it works. Uh, the volatility of the material is very low, so it doesn't get up into the air. The solubility is very high. It likes likes water. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'd think, well, if that's the case, it must get into to runoff or something. No, it doesn't do that because that phosphorus group on there, if you look at phosphorus um, fertilizer, very similar mechanism. It attaches itself really tightly to soil. So it doesn't leach, even though it's really highly water-soluble. Microbes, you, know, you put it on the soil and, and the Microbes really love it. It degrades very quickly. The stuff that we've done back at A&M through a friend of mine, Rick Haney, uh, you get on there, four days, most of that material is is gone because you get this kind of respiration from a microbe. CO2 comes off just like we would take CO2. And then after four to seven days, it goes back down to basal respiration. It's gone. So there's a lot of things related to the material itself that – lend itself to being a very safe molecule and it has been for for many years the other interesting thing is it's an acid and what we know about acids they can be really water soluble Uh, when you think about acids in a human body we don't necessarily retain those very well we would they would come out in the urine right so we have 50 to 65 percent water in our body it's going to come out in that so we don't typically keep something like that in um What's happened, I think, in the last several years, we've had genetic modifications in crops where the amount of glyphosate has been ramping up. This mm-hmm. is about a, a $10 billion market value material now, and it will, or will soon be pretty soon in the next couple of years, or at least that was projected. Um, so we've got a lot of this material being applied. Because of that, also, it doesn't work like it used to. We have uh, selected for resistance. And sure. if anybody's ever had issues with, say, lactose intolerance or something, right? If you, you eat ice cream, you're going to find out that you're lactose intolerant right. every time it's going to happen. So we've selected for it. Nothing's necessarily occurred. We just have a population out there that 
for whatever reason, doesn't really do anything when glyphosate's applied to it. It just grows right through it. Yeah. So we're changing the way we use it. We're changing the amount that we've used it. And, and I think also it's not working like it used to. Mm-hmm. And along with that, we have a report that came out in 2015 that's from this uh, IARC group or World Health Organization group that's on, uh, it's about cancer. The IARC group is uh, Research on Cancer, International Association of Research on Cancer. So they came up with uh, the idea that this is a probable human carcinogen. You will probably see on commercials now from attorneys' offices and so forth that this is one of the things that they're stating. Jurors have found that this is related to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So... From that report, we've got a lot of people that are starting to see this and get nervous about the use of the chemical glyphosate. Um, So to talk a little bit about some of the things that I think our guys have released uh, in this glyphosate worksheet, it's a frequently asked questions uh, sheet here that everybody can get a hold of through extension.tennessee.edu. Mm-hmm. And you put slash publications on it and then search for glyphosate, you'll find this frequently asked questions. There's some things about that report that came out 2015 that I think need to be stated that aren't stated in the commercial. So here's, here's one of the things. The other compounds or the other things that might be on the list that are probable human carcinogens, along with glyphosate in that report, uh, include red meat, they include indoor emissions from burning wood, high temperature frying, and late night work shifts. Okay, those are also things that are on that list. There's like a thousand seventy nine things that are on the list uh, in various categories for human carcinogenicity. There's some other things like processed meat, all alcoholic beverages, sunlight, engine exhaust, and outdoor pollution that are known human carcinogens. All right, so it's right. a category a little bit worse than glyphosate. Right. That's not stated in the commercial, all right? Right. No. <laughs> so uh, if you look at this whole thing as hazard and exposure equaling risk, you yeah. know, hazard times exposure equals risk, then I think there are certain things on that list that most people would look at and go, well, I'm willing to take that various risk mm-hmm. on this. Uh, but it's not necessarily demonstrated on TV when they have the commercial, right? right. So that's one of those things that I think is kind of important for us to realize. Uh, there's there's data before 2015. This thing's been registered since 74. I think 93 was another reevaluation. 2007, I believe, was another time where they reevaluated. 2017, I think here recently, 2019, earlier this year, EPA came out with some things. Other countries have looked at this and, and assessed carcinogenicity. None of those reports have come back f- with a, a real major cancer risk associated with this material. Right. So the um, well, question we get a lot is, do we recommend this or not? And if you use label directions and use proper equipment to protect yourself like you're supposed to use, right? there's no reason in our view why we would not recommend a material like this sure so that's kind of a story in a nutshell about what's going on there's a lot more we could talk about but that to me is kind of a nutshell what's going on well i do i do want to talk about it but i think it's important to kind of 
tell everybody that, um, and you can explain it a little bit better, uh, and Jim was trying, but you chair a committee or a subcommittee on this particular talk with a with several people in the uh, maybe in the United States. So mm-hmm, tell me, I do. just to kind of tell everybody that you've got a lot of experience in discussing this, tell them about that a little bit. A little bit. Uh, so I was, uh, a for- I'm a former president of the Weed Science Society of America. Right. And um, so along with that, as past president, one of the things, again, with this being a hot button, a hot issue, yeah. our current president, who's also a, a Tennessee faculty member, is Larry Steckel out in Jackson, uh, he asked me if I would kind of move forward with a committee to talk a little bit about coming up with, I wouldn't say a position statement necessarily, but just some information related yeah. to glyphosate and the issue from a society standpoint. And that makes it kind of interesting because we have industry people, Monsanto slash Bayer individuals that may have created something like that. We right. have uh, USDA type people. We have academic type people. All in the society, there's about 2,000 members across the U.S. So we're trying to come up with a committee that basically has the information about glyphosate that we need to think about and discuss to others. So I'm leading that effort right now. Uh, We're having an editorial done right now through a publications group and a press release. So... We're not done with it, but that's in an editing process. Along with that, we've been doing some uh, planning for a symposium at our next meeting, which, by the way, is in Maui, unfortunately. Terrible. We're, yeah. So we're, How do I get that? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to have a symposium there that's related to toxicology. We're, we're not toxicologists. I'm not. Right. I'm, I'm more of a chemist, uh, and a, really a poor man's chemist, I would say. But... Um, But we're trying to get some toxicological people to help us understand this issue. We're also trying to get some people there who might talk about uh, talking to non-scientists about various things that we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, A little bit about, you know, how how do things happen in a court case related to data? Is data introduced and why is it not? And we're, we're kind of curious about that whole process, so we're trying to get some attorneys' attach, uh, yeah. kind of viewpoint on that. So the symposium will be part of that. Toxicology will be part of it. Epidemiology will be part of it. So we're trying to to mesh this whole thing together in a little bit of a story that, that honestly, we don't know that much as weed scientists, and we're trying to figure out how to get others to help us tell their side of that story from right. toxicology and all that. So I'm kind of leading that effort right now as a past president of that group. Well, I think from my standpoint, I, I'm, I'm, I feel more questions about, you know, is it safe to use? Uh, what are, what are the things that I need to know? You know, do you use glyphosate? Why aren't you using protect, you know, and, and I've, and like I said, I've 20 plus years of mm-hmm. using the product and, and, and being around it, and and I'm like you. My position would be, and as with any application or product or chemical, is within the label rates right. or with with the label specifications. Use the proper equipment and, and safety standards. Pretty much so, everything is safe, but in particular this one. And if you look at at um, how we regulate things in this country, yeah. Uh, we've had a pretty good run and a good track record, and there's been a few things that have happened, but we, I think our, our guys would agree with that are on this particular uh, fact sheet have, have authored it. 
I think we have to put our faith in that process because it's very stringent. Sure. There's about 140 tests that go on before something's labeled, uh-huh. all right? Uh, a lot of those studies are toxicological studies yeah. that are done, and you could argue what you're supposed to do and, and what kind of animals are using those kind of things. But the thing is that's done so that we have a safe product at right. the end and we know how to use it safely. Right. That's a very stringent process and it costs millions of dollars to go through. Uh, yes, every once in a while you might have some hiccups with that process, but it's been pretty good. We have a really safe food supply when you look at us across the United States yeah. or across the uh, compare ourselves to other countries. Um, pretty good process, and I think our guys would say, well, we, we trust that process, and right now if you use it according to label uh, conditions, this should be a safe product to use, and that's right. basically what we're coming from. So this may not be something that you can answer, but I but I heard um, I was listening to another podcast. I won't say, but I mean the 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 the, uh, the topic came up as this relates to food mm-hmm. in terms of production of food and how it's used to control weeds and stuff. And and is it or are you aware or any studies or research where they're finding that there's a, a, a uh, an acceptable level of pesticides, glyphosate in general, on, say, some corn or, you know, some other uh, food that we eat? Or or is that just kind of not something that we're necessarily concerned about? I mean, because I, I think what I'm getting at is is that um, when we apply a lot of different pesticides over a lot of different crops, and, you know, you can bring this topic up about any number of things, but with glyphosate being the hot button issue, everybody like, oh, I don't want to ingest it. You know what, right. you know, what's going to happen to me if I'm getting, you know, if I'm eating food that's got it on there. So if you can talk about that or you know anything about that, kind of talk a little bit about that because I, that was something that I was like, ah, yeah, I think you're scaring people more so than you need to. Yeah. The, the thing that I think most people don't realize through the 140 tests that are included in the registration, right. part of those are related to residues. Sure. So uh, if, if you grow a crop and apply it at a certain time and a certain rate, they're going to probably take a harvest of that, and they're going to look at various stages of that growth and even at the end to see where those residues reside. Yeah. And if they're in, say, the, the kernel of wheat or if they're in uh, the berries or something that where you might have that application, all of that is is encompassed into, I think, a risk assessment that, that the Environmental Protection Agency would put together. And they would they have this kind of idea called a risk cup. And, and so they put all the residue analysis related to that, as well as maybe the rate range that it might be effective in. And they put all that together to see if there is a, a unreasonable risk for an individual uh, if some of those residues are there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly residues in all the things that we have, but it's not just necessarily pesticide <laughs> right. residues. Okay, yeah. if you started looking at cereal, there is a certain allowable of mice stuff, right, that's yeah. in cereal. I mean, there's was... a certain allowable that, I hate to say that, but yeah. it's one of those things yeah. that not everybody knows. And so uh, there is a reasonable amount of material that could be in right. that they've also done studies on to see if there's any major toxicological risk. So all that's put into this package to EPA as yeah. they look at risk assessment. So, yes, it's a part of the whole thing. Yeah. So that was my point is is that 
during that process, that 140 testing, that's going through a strenuous, I mean, m- way more than anybody would understand, uh, testing done before it's either granted a label or registered or re-registered. Right. And before, I mean, and so that, I don't think that people really understand that, that this is the this is where I you can dive really deep into the weeds mm-hmm. about, I mean, even some of the, the, the levels that they're pushing on them, I mean, it's like right. a grain of sand and a, you know, mm-hmm. and a, in this room, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just, there's a lot of bananas that you're going to have to eat to yeah. get the kind of level of glyphosate in your system, apparently that, yeah. that would be of, of some danger. Right. And, uh, there's a lot of other things that are going to happen to you. <laughs> and so, you know, you can say that about a lot of materials. Uh, and again, I'm not a toxicologist, but right. when you start looking at the numbers of, of things and how much water you would have to ingest with that sort of thing in there to give yeah. you a level that, that kind of gets you over the edge of the risk cup, there's an awful lot there yep. that you would have to ingest. And so that's not what everybody gets to see or hear about. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, it's pretty much widely, I mean, it affect, I mean, it's a non-selective herbicide, so it, it will kill anything, you know, turf grass or whatever that's green. But I mean, it's labeled for use in water and some other things as well. And I mean, certain, uh, formulations, I would think. Right, I think the material they would call it now is rodeo. So yep. you you take the surfactant out of it essentially, and right. I think you have rodeo, and and that's applied on ponds very yep. effectively for various controls of, yeah. of some aquatic weeds. Aquatic weeds and stuff. So uh, yeah, again, it's uh, it's been used for quite a number of years in that way. Yeah, and I, you know, and for those that, I mean, we're talking about the the branded label, uh, uh, it's Roundup, which mm-hmm. most people would be familiar with it, but. Uh, it's active ingredients, glyphosate. And, and I mean, I think it's important that we, you know, get that information out because I think it's, you know, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of uh, misinformation and, and, you know, from my standpoint, I, I know it's a, it's, it's a, it's a product that we need in this industry. It's not, there's not really a whole lot of, you know, options other than that. And, and if we're trying to go non-selective on things and, and uh, I'd hate to see it take a bunch of scrutiny, undue scrutiny. Yeah. Just based on it, which my opinion is, is that some of the lawsuits and some of the things that may have come is misinformation one, but maybe uh, misuse of the label by the, the end user. Could very well be. And, uh, and sometimes there's just absence of, of the information right. that also should potentially be thrown yeah. out there for the individual consumers. Uh, there, there certainly are alternatives. And don't get me wrong, I, th- I think our guys would tell you if you looked at well, we have the mobile weed manual that Dr. Brosnan's put together. It's uh, mobileweedmanual.com that you can get on and, and look. And if you have a specific pest uh, in ornamentals or turf, then you can use that app. And you can use it on your phone, look on iPad. It works great. Yeah. I use it in class a little bit and make our students use it. Um, you can find out what some of those potential alternatives are. Yeah. But understand, there, there are going to be some options. There are probably lots of options. They will probably require a little bit more planning because it won't work exactly like glyphosate. Sure. Uh, potential is it'll probably be a little bit more expensive. Right. And they're not necessarily safer from a toxicological standpoint. Right. That's either. always the kicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the things that I think one of our colleagues at NC State talked about when we were on a 
with American Hort, uh, a webinar here a couple of weeks ago that uh, I was on with him. And so he, uh, Joe Neal out of NC State, he basically said, okay, there's some things there are alternatives, but understand they might not be safer, they might be more expensive, and you're going to have to figure out how to plan it in your program. Right. So I guess last question on this. If I, from a super, if I asked you um, – what would be your recommendation from someone like if somebody's asking me, what would you say that would be the best course of action as far as how to communicate it um, for a guy like there's a superintendent who may have somebody that's asking questions or, you know, uh, membership or, you know, your, your sports turf, athletics, whatever. I, I, how, what is what outside of just diving into the topic, what is something that you would just recommend is, is like go to the – get the frequently asked question sheet or – I think it, that would be a great way to start is, uh, is get the frequently asked questions sheet from the University of Tennessee Extension. Yep. And, uh, again, that's on our extension.tennessee.edu website. You put slash publications, you'll get to that, and you can search for it. Um, and, and the one other thing I think I'd say is the material has been vetted through a very stringent process sure. through EPA. Uh, we are confident in that process, and it is a labeled material. Right. If used by the label with the appropriate protection equipment, we call personal protection equipment or PPE, we would have no issues with that. But certainly some people may want to have alternatives, yep. and I think we have those too. Yeah. So I think, to me, it's, it's a labeled product. Uh, under the course of the label, it should be safe to use, among other things that are labeled and used yeah. in turf or anywhere else. So uh, that's kind of the stance we've taken as a, as a group. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we could talk for hours about it. I don't want to hijack the whole podcast, mm -hmm. and I, and I kind of saved it for the end. But mm -hmm. I thought it was something that just to kind of – broad stroke it we dove into it a little bit mm -hmm. and i appreciate uh you getting that information out there and i'll uh i'll link that when i when i put the i'll link the uh yeah, the, um, the website so that people can pick up that uh the the sheet if they want yeah. it so but uh before we let you go i see you got the golf shirt on there Bell Reeve. um tell me a little bit about what you do in your free time when you're not diving into all this chemistry and research and physiology right. and so you like to golf and i've got the illness Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was just telling uh, John Sorokin here earlier today, uh, one of our turf guys, that, uh, that it is a really cool reminder to me uh, that um, you have to play, right? I mean, oh, playing yeah. golf is, is something that you do. Uh, it is a real challenge. It's a lot like life. And the more I play, yeah. I find it a, a cool reminder that, uh, by the way, I'm not in control of everything. <sighs> And I'm trying to do something yeah. intentionally. It right. might not happen that way, yeah. but I'm going to try to improve and and try to visualize things and make them happen yeah. in a positive way and stay positive when they don't always go my way, right? I mean, there's so many things that are lessons about golf, and I know you play as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm about a 10.8 right now, and I've I've gotten <laughs> down lower than that, but uh, as as the job that I have now. I can maybe practice a little bit, right. maybe play once a week on a weekend, but but I really love the reminder that it provides me for all the other things that are going on in life, and yep. uh, that to me is is really something I've enjoyed a lot. Like playing music, I've got several guitars at home that nice. I I uh, mess around, and make noise with those too. But yep. those are a couple of things I do, and of course spend time with my wife. 
Well, good. Yeah. Got any kids or anything? No, we just have animals. Right now oh. we have lots of cats. Yeah. So we got two to give away if you want a couple. No, I'm, I'm not a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was either. Yeah, but yeah I hear no, you. No, we've had uh, horses and dogs and cats over the course of our marriage. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, it's been kind of cool. So we, uh, we've enjoyed living here. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, keep working on the golf game. That's a it's a great, need a great help. it's a great metaphor for life. You, it you really is. It, but, it really is. That's yeah. the thing I think. I remember being in the seventies the first time, and the week after that was the worst day of golf I ever had because I was not in the seventies, <laughs> and uh, so I got into it about you know maybe when I was thirty two. Yep. I didn't really played it until then, yep. and uh, so right about that point I was just really into it. Yeah. And I thought I'd figured it out, and that ain't what golf is about. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's all, it's a struggle, and it'll kick you in the face, yeah. and it'll give, and it'll take away. That's right. I mean, it's, it's everything it is. So. But I really admire yeah. the guys that play it well, yeah. and uh, how much time they got to spend doing that. And, oh yeah, and the the mind, the focus that they have, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Are you on any social media? Do you do anything social media? Yeah, I do. I've got a Twitter account that I I use. It's UTPS. D E P T H E A D. It's a I'll UT get that from plant you science department yeah. head. So, uh, and I've, I don't have my own personal account, sure. just things that are attached to our okay. department. I try to get out various field days that are going on. Some of our folks who are uh, doing some activities, I'm right. trying to get those things tweeted out, but that's usually what I use. Well, good. Well, follow, uh, follow Scott there, and I'll, we'll, uh, when I blast the uh, podcast, I'll, I'll tag you on that. But, uh, I want to say thank you. I appreciate you doing this. It was nice to meet you. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate your time. Um, and uh, best of luck to you, your turf program, the, the team. I know you got a bunch of good guys and and uh, continued success. Well, thanks very much. Really appreciate what you're doing, BJ. And I wish you all the success too. I appreciate it. And uh, those that are listening, uh, be sure to check out the podcast uh, on all your wherever you get your podcast from iTunes, Stitcher. We're on everywhere, I think now. Uh, just got Spotify, iHeartRadio. So uh, check it out. Um, we're really uh, growing, and I appreciate all the uh, people listening. And um, I appreciate Scott for uh, sitting down and talking. And until uh, next time, uh, this is uh, Making the Turn Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Parker, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.